Eh? Come Get to on. dial one first. What the W fuck? Oh, goddamn. I'm gonna be pissed if I can't call in a group fucking setting. That would be fucking stupid if that was a limitation. There we go. All right. Let's see if this works. I hope my voice cracks so hard when he answers. <laughs> At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. <laughs> we can if you want. Hi, Jamie. This is uh, Sam from uh, the Beer and Loathing podcast. And Pete. And Matt. We're all uh, just giving you a buzz to say hi, and uh, we'll uh, try back in maybe five minutes or something and see if you're available. Assuming I know how to hang up right now. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Welcome to yet another episode of Beer and Loathing Podcast, the podcast made for children by children. Also, another fun fact. The only podcast that incorporates every single fucking one of the seven deadly sins into each and every episode. I'm Pete in Grand Rapids, Michigan, joined by Sam and Matt in Denver, Colorado. Use the hypertext transfer protocol to journey through the interweb tubes to our website at beerandloathing.com or tweet to Sam and let him know you've been watching him through his window on his balcony sliding door for a little over three days now on Twitter by tagging our handle at beerandloathing. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Way to show off your uh, IT chops with the uh, hyper whatever you just said. <laughs> <laughs> so today we have Jamie Floyd from Nikasi Brewing. Jamie, welcome. Tell us what you're drinking and how life has been treating you. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, uh, I'm uh, drinking a beer run uh, IPA that we make right now, um, which we made in support of the uh, Olympic trials. Uh, uh, qualifiers that we had here in Eugene at Track Town. Uh, so we were the official Track Town beer for that. And uh, uh, we just had the uh, qualifiers here two weekends ago, and it was just a super spectacular run um, for those who've ever gotten to go to uh, see track events here in Eugene. It's a, a pretty epic spot, and there were some world records set, and uh, we had some great yeah. beer out there. Fun. That's awesome. Are they hard drinkers? Are they, excuse me? Are they hard, Are they hard drinkers? Uh, you know what? We had a, uh, it's kind of awesome. We had a um, beer sponsorship. So we had beer. We had a, a beer garden set up out there. They had like an area for people to be able to watch the events inside that couldn't afford to go inside. Sort of a big open area. And Nike had a bunch of stuff going on there. There was a bunch of stuff all over the place. Um, but we were allowed to uh, be a part of the VIP sort of set up there as well as have a public beer garden. And uh, it was just amazing to see uh, the amount of people that were super stoked to come and drink a beer that was made in Eugene uh, that had such a fun name for them, whether they were uh, diehard runners or not. Um, uh, and uh, it was great to see. It was great to see the response to it because uh, a lot of people were really excited about it. People were very happy that we had made an IPA instead of some super light beer uh, in tribute of runners. Uh, at least up here in the Pacific Northwest, people. Uh, drink IPAs when they're done with uh, long runs. Nice. Yeah, was that been like, a fun part of our beer. Was that an active choice too to make a full a full blown IPA versus a session? Because I know sessions are pretty popular right now. Uh, yeah, we have uh, Easy Way IPA, which is a lower alcohol content uh, 
IPA that we produce on a regular basis uh, that we just released recently. Uh, the what we've found is that people actually don't mind carbohydrates after they've been on big runs. Uh, I've run a good chunk on and off my whole life, never competitively or anything, but uh, I find, you know, this beer is really tasty by itself, but if you just put a good sweat on and did some and and deserve something good, it goes down even smoother. And it's 7.3% alcohol too, so it's really not messing around. Uh, We... We uh, used uh, Eureka uh, as well as Equinox hops in it, which are two relatively new hops to the hop world, and dry hopped it judiciously with some Chinook, so it's got a really fresh flavor, too. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool to make a beer specifically for runners. We did a, uh, a test batch of it a few months ago where uh, we uh, sent it to 17 different markets and organized fun runs with running clubs in each of those areas that started at a a uh, running shop typically and ended at a bar where everyone got a chance to drink the beer and write comments about it. And we used those comments to, to tweak the dry hop and do some adjustments to the beer before re-releasing it for the summer season. That's awesome. <clears throat> I just now started seeing it. Actually, I haven't been to a beer store in forever, but I, I assume it's just starting to hit uh, Denver markets because I, I went to uh, actually go get a couple of bottles because since Pete's in Michigan, he doesn't have access to anything costly. So I was I was hoping I could work it out perfectly where – my sister was out here visiting me, and she still lives in Michigan. So I was going to give her a couple bottles. I got some Triceratops and some Otis. And nice. I, I handed them to my sister and said, get these to Pete, ASAFP. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, they weren't able to connect, but uh, it was uh, that's where I saw the, uh, the beer runner finally uh, at the store. And I was like, I need to get this because I haven't had a chance to try it yet. Right on. Yeah, it's, it's been uh, really well received. Uh, we're pretty excited to... Uh, be able to bring a beer with Eurekas and Equinox, especially in it, and um, for especially the running community to be super excited about it. Uh, it's been a great addition to our summer, for sure, around here. So this just jogs something in my thought process. <clears throat> I I don't know where Oregon like University is. Um, is that near Eugene? Like I'm just thinking of, you're talking about running and all this stuff. I'm thinking of Prefontaine's. He ran for Oregon, didn't he? That's correct. The University of Oregon is here uh, in okay. Eugene. I'm a I'm a I'm a duck myself right. as well. Absolutely. So yeah, the Prefontaine Classic is a big deal. Uh, there's actually uh, a series of of events that are happening down at Hayward Field all summer long that the Track Town Group has been putting on. The Olympic Trials were just a part of it. Uh, so it's uh, it stays. It's it's pretty interesting. Here in the summer, the students leave, but then the the running enthusiasts and the track enthusiasts tend to show up. It's, it's uh, pretty funny. Oh, that's cool. So is it just kind of filter, the students leave, the runners kind of show up, so it doesn't really deflate, I guess, as a, as a population or with people around or something? Uh, well, it, it, it's, uh, there's specialized events in which, you know, especially things like hotels are full. Um, yeah. But the, you know, the students are gone, but it's, it's just kind of ironic because that's the area that all the track events happen is on campus. So it is kind of full still, and... Uh, they, uh, you know, but there isn't that much overlap. Now. So uh, it's just an interesting way that Eugene works. That's cool. There's, there's still stuff going, for a college town. Uh, the summers are so beautiful here that there's still a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. the, the nice weather definitely helps, right? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, we, we just uh, had the uh, Oregon Country Fair. I believe it was the 46th year of the Oregon Country Fair, which is a cultural arts, uh, crafts, and performance festival that's been going on for 46 years. Uh, it's the uh, festival that we first made Made in the Shade for 
oh, nice. our summer IPA, uh, and we're responsible for a beer garden behind main stage that serves beer to the entertainers that are there as well as uh, um, uh, the the staff. It's uh, actually a non-alcohol event to the public, uh, but uh, I think about 18 to 20 cases of beer at that beer garden alone get consumed on site. So, nice. um, yeah. so uh, that just happened. So we're kind of in the middle of summer where we have a lot of fun, especially outdoors. Yeah, when I was uh, sure when I was communicating with Allie trying to schedule this, she mentioned that there was a lot of stuff going on for you guys. Just uh, busy season. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, we we love to pack it in. It isn't super nice in the winter when we have shorter days, and it's uh, uh, it's not Grand Rapids brutal in the middle of winter. We don't really get multiple <laughs> feet of snow and negative temperatures. Although very occasionally we will get some of that, but uh, um, yeah, we have pretty hardy winters, so it's uh, nice to be able to have so much fun stuff going on. Uh, I know they'll, they'll, we're, we're um, uh, do a lot of work with this the or the Spring Summit, which happens just north of Eugene. Um, which is a huge bluegrass festival that's been going on that to get acts from all over the nation. And, uh, that just happened last week. And so it is this kind of break down one thing, set up a next, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's a uh, good time. Break down, move on, never a dull moment. Yeah. The, we just had the, uh, Oregon, uh, or excuse me, the Lane County fair last weekend, uh, that had uh, a beer garden there as well. And, uh, some, uh, some always some funny entertainment that goes down this year. Uh, Kansas showed up, uh, and the B-52 showed up. So it's pretty funny <laughs> to see sort of that whole livestock and old bands connection is pretty I'm, cool. I'm pretty sure that those are two <laughs> bands that now almost exclusively play state fairs. <laughs> right? No, it's always that way. You get your Pat Benatar occasionally. Uh, you know, it's been some years that, like, Willie Nelson played one year, which is pretty amazing. You know, we've got to give up props for that. But, oh, yeah, uh, yeah it's, you, you never know. Aria Speedwagon's played, of course, you know, that kind of stuff. Good good, ca- good county fair action. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't yeah. remember who I was talking to recently. It might have been you, Matt. But I was talking with someone recently, and we were asking, like, do the B-52s still, like, perform? Because I, I was tooling around Spotify, and I found Fred Schneider, you know, the male lead of the of the group. I found his old, like solo album from 1994 when i was in like sixth grade solo outfit it's called just fred just fred and it's just it's like (laughs) nice it's just like quasi angry garage rock type stuff it delivers exactly what it promises to yeah and just fred yeah and and... isn't there like a song where he's like i put sugar in your gas tank or something (laughs) like that actually that song's so <laughs> I've listened to this song oh, about a million awesome. times in the past twenty years. It's called Sugar in My Hog and it says you that's put what sugar is. in my hog and he does like his <laughs> like his affection to it like he would. It makes Rock Lobster <laughs> seem like a little just just a blip on the radar in terms of badass <laughs> rock songs, I guess. Yeah, I think some bands like um uh Smash Mouth are starting to fall into that that category of just showing up at state fairs now. I think, weren't they recently in Fort Collins? Yeah, that's when someone threw a loaf of bread at them. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, a lot, well, apparently a lot of people came prepared with all, all manner of, of carbohydrate because they they were they, that poor fucker with the, the the goatee and the chops and everything. He got he poor got, man's Guy Fieri. Poor man's Guy Fieri. Yeah, that's an insult to Guy. Poor Fieri. man. <laughs> Uh, Sound like he got Smash Mouth. Ooh, ooh, that's rough. Oh, yeah, I think uh, the Fort Collins paper that was they worked that into their the headline of that story somehow. I have so. a friend who lives in Fort Collins, and he was like, he texted me. Uh, I we were talking about something totally different, but he just he texted me back. He's like, my greatest regret in life is not being the guy that had that loaf of bread at that show. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture some guy on his way back from a grocery store. And just sort of happened upon a Smash Mouth concert accidentally, and was like, "God damn these assholes!" And found his opportunity. He's like a suit and a tie in yeah. the middle of the crowd, carrying like Safeway bags. Yeah, he was supposed to take that bread home for his, you know, his family and everything, but he thought it would be better spent. See, I like to think that he prepared and he bought some like day old stale bread. Yeah, some that would give a little extra punch to the the contact there, like ten week old French bread, just like <laughs> just like torpedoes. Yeah, you could measure the bread in geologic time. It's it's pretty. Have accurate. you seen people that sneak booze into music festivals using bread? They'll like hollow out bread and stick a fifth into it. I don't know, but I wish we we'd did, done that. Did we? Why didn't we think of that at Riot Fest? I don't think you can fucking carry bread into Riot Fest, but I mean, like, if you go into, like, a festival and you have, like, you know, like a camping festival and you can, like, bring a cooler in and bread and stuff, people will get, like, three oh. loaves of bread and just stock it full of beer. Or, not beer, liquor. Uh, I, did, did Leslie talk about that when we went to Riot Fest? Because she's like, oh, this would be great, way easier if we were camping. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Good hmm. ideas, man. Yeah. I feel like we derailed this a little bit. Alcoholics rule the world. Any, yes, we do. Anytime I can bash Smash Mouth, I jump at the opportunity. I'm just glad we got there. So. Smash, think, bash. Think, well, that's 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 awesome stuff. I'm I'm I I haven't really thought about all the bands I can look forward to having to do the county fair thing to make money in the future. You're right. That is a pretty spectacular thing. I think <laughs> up here uh, we'll be proud to watch. Uh, also, the sort of falsetto bleaching job of Everclear. Uh, Everclear eventually have Dude, to. Dude, uh, Everclear uh, was the take... first band that I thought of when you started talking about this. <laughs> Absolutely, Art right? is going to be eighty-five up oh, on stage. He looks yeah. and sounds it too. I saw him recently at a uh, him and like Sponge and yeah, he does the Summerfest nice. tour every year yeah. now, and he brings a bunch of washed-up nineties bands to Colorado. It's right, awesome. Art Alexakis is just oh, he is just sounds horrible. Um, he's got this sort of scratchy got this like gravelly thing going on and he screams into the microphone and he's been written hard and put away wet a few times yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, well, i'm glad you feel the same way that's going to be awesome and i and i think it just for the larger world like when counting crows finally have to that'll just be great for everybody <laughs> in the world oh <laughs> uh, that oh i remember counting crows was like the first cd i ever bought under my own like with my own money <clears throat> that was good times first non-columbia house cd yeah so, uh, Jamie, uh, uh, one of the reasons I originally kind of reached out to you guys because uh, you were having your 10th anniversary this year, yeah? yeah absolutely. That's awesome. Congratulations yeah, I'm super excited that. for that. Thank you. It's uh, Nikos and I feel like we might have, you know, most likely aged f- 15 years in the 10, but uh, <laughs> we, we're, we're excited for it. Um, we've, we've certainly gotten uh, a ton of work done and are uh, really fortunate uh, to be able to celebrate our 10th anniversary, and that's coming up. We we technically 
considered July 1st our uh, specific anniversary. That was the first day that we all got drunk on the beer we made. Oh. <laughs> um, I know you guys can appreciate that. It's uh, it's kind of ironic because originally Absolutely. for me being like kind of the brewer side of it, I always think of June 23rd when I first started making the beer and the pain that went into that process happened as the first day. But uh, I appreciate it because uh, Nico's uh, my partner, business partner, as well as uh, uh, Nigel and Aaron, who are also our partners, and uh, uh, Jazz, who works in the metal shop, all share birthdays in the same weekend. And it was their birthday party weekend party that we threw and went through a couple of cakes of beer at it uh and it was it was a raucous shall we say event nice i was gonna say that sounds like you celebrated accordingly uh we did well what was awesome about was the first batch of total domination was like 8.6 percent alcohol and uh whoever grabbed the cakes had mislabeled them backwards and there was a keg of pale ale and a keg of ipa (laughs) and um i was still uh uh doing some bar management, some other side stuff until the brewery got o- opening and operating. And so I had to close my shift down and come over to the party or whatnot. And I roll in there and everyone's just hammered. And uh, <laughs> I roll up and everyone's like, yeah, you know, I can tell that everyone's hammered already. And I walk up and they, they hand me and they're like, here's a pale ale. And they hand it to me. And I realize that it's IPA. And I until I break the news to them, I'm like, hey, all you fools that were trying to save for later, you've been pounding 8.6% alcohol <laughs> the last three hours. And, of course, because they're all trash, they look at me and say, no, we didn't. It's dead IPA. And I'm like, I'm the brewer. I'm the jackass that made it. I'm pretty sure I know what's up. You guys lose this battle accordingly. But it was a super funny evening that included people getting thrown downstairs. And um, I think that was also <laughs> when Nikos and I... Uh, uh, commissioned jazz to personally make us an coffee throwing star so it was a, it was <laughs> nice. a good it was a good it was a good it was a good run was that one of those things so we, where we were, you were like we know what we need right now is throwing stars i think you're the man to make them for us <laughs> yeah well he you know he makes all of our tap handles and our gates and our even our recycling bins and the tables and our you know, chairs and stuff in our tasting room and, and does a lot of work for us so it was Obviously, the right person to make us throwing stars, and that just made us more complete as men or children, depending on when you <laughs> fell in love with throwing stars. But uh, uh, it was good, and it's a uh, we're doing all of our celebrations though in August uh, with a better timeline for for Oregon. Uh, we have so much going on that it's uh, mid-August before we can really shake down, and having uh, three days of different uh, levels of parties. One that's more friends, family, uh, we do happy hours, usually about once a month. Uh, on a Friday, we'll open up our downstairs atrium in our admin building that has a wonderful hangout experience. We invite all the family and friends down for kind of a happy hour on a Friday, separate from our tasting room and stuff, and we're going to kind of bump that up a little bit, knowing a lot of people will be in town. And then on Saturday, we're having a VIPs and special guests, sort of more large but sort of private party, and then on Sunday, having a giant public party as well. And it's going to be super fun. Uh, lots of music, entertainment, and uh, uh, of course the release of our N10 beer as well. Yeah, I read the press release on that. That sounds like a killer brew. Yeah, the N10 turned out just amazingly. Uh, uh, actually, a few of us opened up the bottle last Friday just to see where it was at, and it's just uh, opening up delightfully. Uh, what we decided to do was to make a a series of beers that really 
represented us and then to blend them into one blend that would both be delicious now and collectible for the future. Uh, and uh, brewed probably about 50%, a little over 50% of the total volume of it is an imperial stout that we made that's brand new, uh, not previously made by us. That awesome. uh, is a lot more rowdy, uh, has some peated malt even in it. Uh, and, uh, and a hot content that's, uh, um, more than just for bitterness. And, uh, so that's a beer that we can probably release in the future as well on its own. Um, and then, uh, we had some, uh, two year old age critical hit that we had that we really wanted to add to that as well to give it a lot of deep, uh, melanoidin complexity as well as, uh, the, even though, uh, two years old critical hit still has an incredible amount of bitterness and hop flavor to it with the obnoxious amount of hops that we put in it. Sure. Uh, so that's a nice backbone builder as well. And then we basically, uh, took total domination and made it 10%. <laughs> and, uh, totally done. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We brought it a little, we went above the first batch finally, uh, with it, but, uh, we made a, uh, you know, a double IPA version of, of, of total domination. Uh, as a tribute to that part of our identity, of course, and then uh, uh, made another uh, Imperial IPA uh, with a different set of hops that we wanted to use, and then blended all four of those together into one beer um, for your tasting pleasure. That sounds wild. Yeah, it's super. It's it's super. It's really really different uh, than a lot of the sort of blending styles that are going on out there. And it was a really fun process when we brought had the whole sales team in last time. Uh, the brewers and I put together a whole um, myriad of samples of different blends of the, the, the constitutes, you know, what we could possibly do, including some that were intentionally uh, not perfectly blended. So you could see, you know, uh, why it's so important to do that. And it was a fun process to do with the whole team. We took that beer and then uh, we waited uh, after all the constituent parts were blended together and conditioned together. We dry hopped it pretty massively as well. Uh, before packaging it so that those that opened it up front uh, could also get some freshness uh, that they wouldn't get uh, if they sat on the beer forever as well. So uh, tried to throw as many kind of different loops into it as we could. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're really excited, too. The art team did just an incredible job uh, with the packaging for it. It's even more out of control than the ground control uh, sort of box casing. Mm. Uh, so we're super excited to, um, to sort of be able to bring all of that together and in support of our 10th uh, 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 anniversary. I'm glad you mentioned ground control because I actually have a bottle of the OG ground control that I was going to crack open for this, and I'm going to run and grab it in a second. But I, I wanted to ask, in conjunction with this whole process of me going to get a beer, is uh, do you have – so you mentioned the same artist did ground control. They're doing uh, this 10th anniversary beer. Is that kind of like your mm-hmm. go-to artist for your label work or just kind of for special projects? So what we have is actually a three, well, actually, in a way, four-person art team. So uh, Nick runs our art department as our art director. Uh, We have Wade Long, who is our technical artist. The two of them are the ones that do a lot of the work specifically. Um, Neil Williams is uh, who we hired uh, recently to, to do the ground control project with us sort of on a, he also does gig art. So he does concert posters. He's absolutely amazing. If you check his stuff out online, it's super sick. Um, especially anybody who does awesomeness for Queens of the Stone Age is definitely going to get some bonus points for me. Uh, but anyway, yeah. he, he um, 
uh, gets to do a bunch of cool stuff on the side, but still works with us. And we decided to keep him on. He loves the, he kind of does, you know, his own thing, but he really loves to work in collaboration and team with our crew. Uh, and he's worked, you know, with the, uh, sort of our, uh, refresh of the way we did, uh, um, uh, Dawn of the Red to be the sort of next chapter in the comic book, if you will. Uh, he was responsible for helping us with that. Um, we, we did a, uh, kind of, we're going to have a different look for Slayer. Uh, this winter, and he worked with uh, the team on that as well. Uh, so it's been super exciting, and uh, I think next up we're looking to work with a, a photographer to help us with a lot of the stuff that we're doing, sort of as a part-time work for them as well. So we're sort of got an art collective, uh, and it's one of the fun parts about all of this. For me, I have a sociology background, and certainly the, the branding and the artistry part of it is super fun. Um, piece of all of it for me. I've been brewing beer since I was 17, and that's certainly a passion of mine, obviously, but it's great to be able to work with an art team here so that we control the flow of ideas ourselves uh, and also kind of get to have the most fun as possible, which is great, too. So, yeah, so with the ground control, he's been working with that with us, and uh, uh, he still works on projects. It's sort of an indefinite contract, but started as a year contract. Uh, he's still playing with it, so it's, a, it's great. It's great when you, anytime you can use a collective, you're going to get so much more out of it because the creative piece is so much more fruitful. Yeah, especially if it's someone that kind of you know you you enjoy to hang out with, I would assume, and just like like to communicate with, like kind of the same visual visualization, I guess, of stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I think his artwork's amazing. Like I, like I said, the ground control art was great uh, mm-hmm. when they did the Denver launch. I went to. Uh, the house that Airbnb and they were talking about how he does gig posters and stuff. And I just thought that was rad that that was kind of how he got under your radar or on your radar, I guess, basically. And it's all that stuff. It's that's, that's sweet. Well, what was even cooler about it is he was based originally out of uh, the Asheville or the North Carolina area doing his gig art. And he had moved to Eugene uh, six or seven months after uh, people had sort of taken notice of his artwork and then when went to the site and saw that his address was in Eugene, we were pretty blown away and it worked out great just to have someone who we had, to your point, acknowledged already and was like, wow, this person does great work. And then for them to happen to live in the same town and be interested in a collaboration like that is just super unique and rad. Why, it's why I get, I'm happy to get out of bed every single day. <laughs> I like imagine that. so. That's right? a good connection. All right, I'm gonna go grab that ground control, Pete. I know you had some questions. Why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, talk for a little bit? I've been hogging the ball here. No, it's all good. Um, so my my first and most most important question is: when people say Oregon, do you know immediately that they're not from Oregon? Yeah, usually I ask them if how they're enjoying the Willamette Valley that they're in too. So it's, you know, it's, it's pretty fun. It's Willamette, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, the Willamette Valley oh, okay. in Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. There's they have T-shirts that spell it phonetically for people um, that have that have those issues. And um, no, I think it's I, for me, it's hilarious. I, I feel like we're kind of blessed in a way to be in Oregon versus Washington. Washington's got all this Nequamishy, Washugly stuff that's harder to remember than Willamette. But uh, yeah, totally. um, uh, We have to work within those confines. Yeah, the Oregon. Piece is it's hilarious for us, and uh, I ironically I grew up in the Bay Area and moved up here in, in 1990 and went to college, state and all that kind of stuff. But there's always an influx of 
California that comes in because the population growth rate is above zero and people move on, and that's what's up. But uh, uh, back when I first started going to school there, they used to have these awesome UCO, University of California, Oregon t-shirts that they sold at the gift <laughs> shop, actually. <laughs> I was like, pretty stoked to move it to a town that was that catty. I was pretty stoked on it. It was good. But yeah, so there's a phonetic Oregon shirts for people that have an issue. Fantastic. Someone once told uh, me that uh, people in uh, Oregon can't um, pump their own gas. Nope, that is correct. It is um, some point along the way, uh, they made it a requirement to have your gas pumped for use for employment reasons. Um, I want to say it was when the mills slowed down from all the – it was just like such a free-for-all for timber here forever and ever and ever, and when that stuff slowed down, they looked for ways of making sure that people had employment, and that law is still on the books. It's pretty. It's the, the funniest thing for me is once I drove to Seattle and needed to get gas, and pretty much sat there for 20 minutes, and no one was getting my gas. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the tenant inside was laughing, <laughs> sees the Oregon license plate, and just laughs at me the whole time. And uh, at least you only do that once. I'm leaving a review on Yelp for that, this but. one. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it is true. And uh, actually, two two nights ago, that was much to my chagrin. I had to uh, had some car issues, and I had to return a rental car. And it took this guy fifteen minutes to come to pump it. And it wasn't because he was lazy or anything. He just had a bunch of work to do. He was getting you know hit hard or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's the reality. No matter what, you can't even just finish. You know, it's done. All you have to do is put the thing back in and not take the receipt you don't want and all that stuff, and still you got to wait. Wow. Huh? Quirky Oregon. Quirky Oregon. We, have, we, have a t- we got a town named Nimrod and stuff, so oh. can, <laughs> imagine, can imagine there could from, be some, some necessity for some job helping opportunities. Definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, we just like to explore where our guests are from in general, how would you say Eugene's like beer scene is now? Um, as opposed to when you started Ninkasi, you know, when Ninkasi got it started to, started to blow up. Uh, well, a lot's changed. I've been brewing professionally in Eugene for 21 years and sort of watched it go through a lot of different stuff. And the, you know, early to mid nineties, there was uh, just a couple of breweries in town. There was the McMinimins brewery and the steelhead brewery that I worked at for 11 years and West brothers and a place called field. Uh, uh, those lasted for certain periods of time. The, the McMinimins high street still open and the steelhead still open and West brothers and uh, closed down. And there was also the wild duck, the wonderful and illustrious music venue and brewery that was, was here as well. Now, those were some really fun times. The brewing community was incredibly tight knit, worked hard, played hard together, really shared a lot. Uh, it was a, it was a good time. It was much smaller as far as the total you know percentage of people who were drinking craft beer. Although certainly Eugene, as well as Portland, uh, were early leaders in the craft movement in terms of consumption. I know for the first couple of years that I lived here, there were still beer shops that had every craft beer you could get. Uh, but back then, you were still more dependent on a lot of imports. And so it was moving from the Bay Area, where, ironically, I was still had, I had a friend who, uh, in high school, worked at a liquor store, which was great for us. Uh, <laughs> still still uh, ch- 
charged us shoulder tapping prices, that bastard. But uh, um, <laughs> I, I, I had the, the the privilege and honor of drinking bath ale and other things since George life in high school, uh, which probably helped lead me to where I'm at. Uh, but when I moved to Oregon, uh, you I went to you know, cruise around for a while, and like the worst keg I saw was a Henry Meinhardt keg, which is a pretty cool keg in Oregon back then. Uh, but you you didn't see as much of that uh, other stuff. You saw tons of imports, and, and as it grew over the years, we saw some uh, around the whole 9/11 era, which wasn't the reason that the breweries uh, didn't necessarily succeed. But we sort of saw a little uh, recession in the success, which was also matching what happened on the national level when uh, a bunch of brew pubs opened and not all of them were successful. Uh, when uh, when Ninkasi started, we had Oakshire Brewing, which is still here in town, started up at the same time, uh, but there was not really ever a production brewery before in town. It was all just brew pubs. And this is a quirky town, and uh, the restaurant owners and bar owners of the town back then didn't serve Eugene beer. Really? That was for brew pubs. That was their competition, and... and and five-star restaurants would use that excuse all the way down to restaurants that only had pickled eggs would all say that <laughs> steelhead steel was competition. They didn't want to put our beer on tap. And uh, so we were a part of sort of that revolution to change that in this town. Uh, we also started our own self-distribution part of, of delivering beer, which was in direct competition with the people that were representing craft. And there was a ton of craft beer in the town. It just was shoots and Widmer and in Rogue and yeah. uh, other other beers just in general. Uh, so that was a big change in that. If uh, if and and right then uh, was back when really you could only get IPAs on draft. So one of the big changes that really happened in the Pacific Northwest, especially which really includes Eugene as well as Portland, is the IPAs started to get bottled and get in commercially into the hands of people who were. Uh, lounging, uh, not just in on-premise accounts. So people were at home and doing other things now with IPAs, and that really sort of bolstered all of that. And, you know, I, having the, the, the Willamette uh, Valley uh, has uh, grows hops, so, you know, there's it, it kind of makes sense regionally for us to sort of take off, and especially on that hoppy sort of paradigm shift earlier than the rest of everyone that's now sort of gotten in line. So... It's, it's pretty amazing now. I think we have 17 breweries in Eugene. Uh, we have Nanos all the way up through, like, you know, us as being the largest brewery in town. Um, uh, people, we have a Braggot uh, making uh, uh, facilities in town. Uh, people doing a lot of different and unique stuff. And the, and the culture is great. We have 45 to 50% of all beer consumed in Eugene is craft. And uh, that's a... Uh, uh, you know, it's basically Portland and Eugene have the same stats. We just have different population spaces. Uh, but the culture is amazing here. It's everywhere. So you when do you can't... see the shift from bars kind of like resenting you as competition to where they were like, oh shit, well this is blowing up, so we should probably have craft beer in our bars. Well, the craft beer was in there. It just wasn't as much local. Um, I think one of the things that really helped is I had worked in both. Uh, on the food side, not just in the brewing side, I knew a lot of restaurant and bar workers in town. So for them, they were also kind of getting behind someone they liked and a group of people that they really liked. Uh, I think that really helped sort of that transformation. Uh, you know, basically people would tell me, 
I know you, Jamie, so we'll put your beer on tap, but if it doesn't sell, you know, I can't keep it sort of stuff. And gotcha. uh, obviously that worked out pretty well for us totally. here locally. Good thing um, you knew what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's the thing. I, I just saw again, you know, another uh, posting in, in one of the brewery things where someone uh, who's opening a brewery wanted advice about what the right time to hire a brewer was and how to do that. And I just got to say, it's a really terrible business plan to do. I'm going to uh, contact the Brewers Association and ask all my future competition for their help in understanding the very basic principles of opening a brewery. And I'm not someone who can make beer but want to open a brewery. So I don't know what's going on out there. Uh, I always try to, even when I get a chance to speak at brewing schools and stuff, you still have, you know, 75% of the people in the room want to own their own business. And it's... It's tough. You got to know what you're doing. You shouldn't just do it because you see everyone else doing it, which is where we're at. Yeah. Uh, so you're speaking about like the the. So you're speaking. It's it's hard work, obviously, doing that. What do you, what would you what when you reflect on it? What would be the roughest point of uh you know taking Ninkasi and growing it? Um, what what were like the pain points or or what was the roughest part in its history? Do you think? Well, I mean, I think what I try to, the most important thing, uh, which fortunately for me wasn't really the case, but I'll get to that other piece for you here in a second, but that if, well, I sit on the technical committee for the Brewers Association, we're constantly trying to figure out how to convince millennials that they actually have to read material to understand it. <laughs> and, oh my God, uh, luck with they, it. You tell me the headlines don't want, count. They, yeah, they wanted bullet points on an app. But, uh, so we're trying to work on that problem, but the, the biggest thing is, is that what we hear again and again is what they don't get prepared for before they start is realizing that the minute they start their business, they won't have time to learn anything new. They're going to be figuring, they got to figure it out. Like everything's just going to get thrown at them. They've got all these pressures, all these deadlines, all these decisions to make. And if they don't know what to do, they don't have the time to learn it. And so that's part of their problem as far as learning technical acumen that will help them uh, to prevent them from exploding cans of soured beer that they didn't attenuate properly and like get warm or do whatever. There's, they need to figure it out. They should figure it out before they try to do it. And right now people are just doing it. And uh, I think that that's, you know, a pretty crazy way to go into to having a business. Now, as far as, you know, the worst things that can ever happen at a brewery when you're starting or, or when you're trying to grow is to run out of beer. Yeah. It's just the fact of the matter. Uh, when everybody wants it and you can't make enough of it, and that sounds like a great problem, but it's, uh, it's a tough space to be in, especially if you're trying to be a part of chain accounts or to be in places that expect sort of regular delivery of products to keep your beers on shelves. Those are really the toughest places to be where you're at a, at a, a cap X of not being able to brew more beer, brewing all the beer you can and, and not fulfilling everything. And we, we, we didn't suffer from that as much as I've watched some of my peers do it for a while when they entered too many States at once and couldn't manage the amount of relationships. We sort of learned that as a pregame. And it's one of the reasons we're only in 14 States for the size of brewery we are, is that each one of those areas has all these different sets of logistics. And it's really hard to coordinate all that stuff. And a lot of people, got into the space where they were selling out all the beer they could make and not fulfilling everyone's orders. And at least we didn't really see that for very long. Uh, but I can't imagine running a business like that for very long and not just 
you know, feeling terrible pain. And actually, interestingly and enough, always. when I when I first moved out to Denver from Michigan, I, I I immediately latched on to Great Divide because they make amazing beer, and they were like Absolutely. two miles away from where I live. So, hello, local watering hole. Um, but when I when I was looking at their site, or I was reading something, and I was thinking to myself. I know I'd seen Great Divide in Michigan at one point, and I kept texting my brother-in-law saying, hey, man, you guys, do you see any Yeti? Do you see any uh, Denver Pale Ale? Do you see any of this uh, Great Divide shit out there? And he's like, no, man, I, I used to, but I don't anymore. And I ended up looking it up, and they actually retracted from a bunch of markets for that exact reason. They're like, we can't service the markets we're in uh, as as well as we would like to. So we, we had to pull back, and now they're, you know, they've expanded to this massive facility and I'm sure they're going to start going back into these places again. But I, I respect breweries that do that. They, you know, don't spread yourself too thin, you know, don't uh, Ron Swanson once said, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. Mm-hmm. So, and it's That's okay if you try correct. half-ass and then you fail, but come back and, <laughs> yeah. and say, Oh, well that wasn't a good idea, but we'll try again later when we're bigger. So that's respectable. Yeah. We saw a bunch of breweries do that. The very same thing. And we were, uh, happy that our instincts served us well, if you will, on that yeah. one. We knew that it's already hard enough to do if you're successful, but if, if you can't pull it together, then you're destroying your own reputation and ability to do it. Those are hard things to get back, especially from chain accounts and stuff like that. You have to, to rebuild trust. Um, it's on a different level for them, and they don't have to care that much because there's so many options. Yeah. So... Uh, I would like to think one day when we're all massively famous, we're going to look back and laugh at the fact that we're, we were famous for the fact that we're bad at segues. So this is my attempt at a segue here. <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> it's well what we become famous for, Sam. Yeah, well, exactly. I guess I don't know. Uh, that was just me pontificating really hard, and that's just not my that's not my area of expertise. Uh, what? Uh, so I am drinking the ground control, and before we go into the 1554 section, Jamie, I'd love for you to talk about this beer because, um, I mean, I, I this was released right when you got released into Denver, and so mm-hmm. um, I, I was experiencing your guys' beers uh, all kind of as uh, drinking from a fire hose, um, and I love them all, and this one just caught my this one caught my eye mostly because of the, uh, the just the crazy story of the yeast and stuff. Do you want to kind of talk about this? Because I know we have at least at least one or two people that listen in areas where you guys aren't distributed and probably haven't heard about this beer. Sure. Yeah. Uh, ground control is the uh, effort of a program, uh, the Ninkasi Space Program, which we started uh, just a few <laughs> years ago uh, when uh, the right nerds uh, were put together in the right room. At the right time, um, uh, there was a, a mutual friend of us and some uh, rocket nerds uh, who uh, were looking uh, for some help with a with with an amateur rocket launch that was being done in the tenth year anniversary of the first ever amateur rocket launch into space. And uh, we got uh, uh, there was an event that we were having at an account uh, in North Portland or excuse me in East Portland and. Uh, I got a call from our mutual friend who said, hey, uh, I've got these friends who've got this, they're going to be doing this rocket launch, and they asked me if they knew anyone who uh, might want to be a part of something like that, and John uh, appropriately said, you have to talk to Ninkasi, you have to talk to Jamie, 
he's crazy enough and they're crazy enough and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, They've got their own mind I think that John knew that I had planned most of my life to be an astronaut and ended up owning a brewery instead. So <laughs> there is a lot of, and my deep love of Star Wars and other space-related nerdiness, uh, it's, it's one of those things where uh, basically what John said afterwards is that he's been around me at a lot of events because he worked for the wholesale partner that we have up in Portland, and uh, he had never seen me blow off an entire room to look at a computer screen, for sure. <laughs> uh, but these guys are rattling off all these launches and all this background. And uh, about seven months later, they approached us to see if we were really interested. And, you know, we, we do some fun stuff just for the sake of supporting people and doing fun stuff. But we decided we wanted to be closer to the action and uh, came up with this idea that it would be a uh, pretty crazy process to try to launch space into yeast and get it back and brew with it. And uh, so we took that on as our sort of mission. And uh, uh, it, it's pretty interesting because most people would prefer that the yeast, you know, that our plan was to morph the yeast into something and do all this stuff. If you know anything about space, it's super hard. And the first thing you want to do is to try to do something the first time, which is just to get space, the yeast into space, defying all of the uh, – the, the shock and, and, and shake of, of, and violence of, of leaving the planet, of, of being able to uh, not get hit with all the UV and all the crazy radiation that's out there cruising around the universe, uh, the amazing, the incredible amount of cold that the real true space has, and then also be able to survive the heat of reentry. Uh, that, it was a crazy, crazy idea, and we had to use our entire team to pull it together and even for the first uh, mission, we worked with a group who uh, had a 3D printer that made us a canister to hold the test tube. Uh, it was a crazy process. The first rocket launched off the playa where Burning Man happened. Oh. Uh, pretty amazing <laughs> nice. to go hang out there. I've been to Burning Man before. It's pretty awesome to be out there when there is not Burning Man happening. Uh, <laughs> okay, so this, I, actually, I thought you meant that like, it was in the middle of all these people just... On whatever they're on, just yeah. doing their burning Wagging man thing, and be like, each other. "Did I just see a yeah. rocket go up into outer space, or am I on something really good?" You know, it would be it would be pretty hilarious to have one of those rockets in the middle of the man and launch it there. I think <laughs> yes. people would have been. I don't think they would come back whether they survived the experience or not. But it was uh, um, pretty amazing. Uh, the, the first rocket launch. Uh, Ended up not being successful in the in the case of us getting the yeast back in time to propagate it. But even though it was an amateur launch, the FAA was testing out new tracking devices that failed at launch, and it took 28 days to find the first rocket. Uh, it was absolutely a, a game changer of a life experience to watch a rocket leave the Earth. It really you get this huge just re- realization of just how insane we are as human <laughs> beings to really yeah. figure out a way to. to to defy gravity and chuck stuff in the space. And, and on that sort of random note, because a lot of people don't know this, there's only been like 650 human beings in space. Yeah. I, with, with, all of the, with all of the crazy sci-fi we see, it's really hard to sort of put your head around just how little experience we have with space. The beer, so, the beer was delicious, too, but I got to say, this was pretty fucking risky, because worst case scenario, you send yeast into outer space with all that radiation and shit. And it comes back as some god awful. And it wants to talk to its parents, be like, "Hey, yeah. why'd you just create us?" Bitch? <laughs> it's true. Uh, you know, <laughs> I rolled the cosmic I just, dice. 
I just started watching Stranger Things last night, that new TV series. Too. Oh, it's all so of good. It's true. It's all true, and so I'm pretty sure you're right. There could be a moment here where um, our work does create new, uh, maybe life on Earth. That would be great. But uh, we're, we're not as worried about that up front. But it was, it was a great experience, and we were able to meet the right nerd that offered us voyage on a second successful mission, uh, which actually took place at uh, Spaceport in New Mexico. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, the Colorado part is deep on that. The people that physically built our rockets live in Colorado. Oh, okay. Uh, there is an incredible, uh, father, son, Mormon father, son duo of rocket, uh, engineers that probably used to work for Lockheed or Martin or something in the old days, uh, but build rockets now and chuck stuff into the, pl- uh, out of the atmosphere. Just build rockets Jamie, for shits and big were the, how big were the rockets? The rocket is 21 feet tall. We actually have the first one suspended in our admin auditorium, the area that we do all these hangout sessions in. We have the, the first rocket, at least the front 40% of it, uh, we were able to get because it had done its seventh trip into space and back. Uh, basically, after six missions, those rockets are not uh, worthy of government funding anymore, uh, and that was why the amateur crew was able to get their hands on it. Uh, and we were able to purchase the front 40% of it and then have our metal shop recreate the back 60. And we have that suspended above our bar in our admin building so that, that people fantastic. can check it out. It is. It's super rad. You know, I, the very first event I got to do for all of this was in San Diego at the Air and Space Museum there. And if you're ever there, it's really cool. Uh, it's right by the airport. Yeah, all kinds of cool shit there. And, uh, I was there for the 45th anniversary of the Apollo space mission astronaut reunion dinner. And there were 23 guys with the biggest fucking nut sacks in the world sitting up there on the table. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how those banquet tables even weren't lifted off the ground. Well, they, were just, they, were just, about- they were just sitting on them. That's, you know, those are their, those are their chairs. Yeah. Exactly, just like Stan from, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah, from just South like Park, Stan, yeah. he's just got it right on lockdown, but uh, it is amazing because those guys are talking about getting off of the moon with less technology than the cell phone I've got, you know, attached to me right now, uh, pretty amazing stuff, and then at the end of the whole thing, I was able to do a speech with a NASA scientist at the Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. to talk about the amateur space rocket program, uh, which was kind of leveling up on a geek level that I never really thought I would get. So it was a pretty fun moment. Love that building. What a fucking trip. That sounds awesome, dude. Yeah, it's super fun. Uh, the whole project has been incredible and the outreach. And, you know, for me, again, I really had intended to be an astronaut. Uh, so to, to get a chance to, to see a bunch of stuff, we got a chance to do uh, speak at Google in Los Angeles and then afterwards did this event at a Eureka Burger uh, in, in Los Angeles that's on the property where Tesla and SpaceX is. Oh, nice. And uh, basically, yeah, it's Urban Tatooine. It was friggin' rad. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, it was amazing. They, this place is there for them. There's not really anything else around it. There's no other restaurants. And so it's open from noon to nine every day, and they just crush it. And uh, they said, first of all, because they had heard about the beer and everything that was going on, uh, that they that the only time they sold out more beer was the first day they opened. Wow! Uh, as far as a, a, a one day event or a, a quick event, and you know it's a pretty strong beer. And what was great about it is that this guy who programs the robots for SpaceX 
gave me a tour of SpaceX. Oh, no way. And it's full-on Moonraker. They're building the rocket right next to you. You're looking <laughs> for Roger Moore, getting creepy. It's like the most amazing thing. I want to see Elon Musk with a furry cat so bad. It's just yeah. incredible. So Everybody's good. wearing yellow jumpsuits that yeah. say <laughs> fucking really, Moonraker on the back. Really impractical glass um, bubbles around their heads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, they did have like the – it's not a part of the regular tour, but the guy was wasted and really was into it. So he showed up the room where they're working on the new spacesuit that Elon Musk wants to have out that looks like superhero outfits because he can't stand how ugly people look in regular ones, uh, which is just awesome to have – quirky, good-looking billionaires out there in the mix to fuck shit up. Oh, thank you. Um, totally, dude. If anyone's going to yeah. scatter Well, it's awesome. Universe. I mean, he's the guy, Tony Stark, his character. I mean, that's what was studied after. It's perfect. That guy's awesome that way. And actually, uh, many beer geeks might not know this, and it's important to Colorado. The um, uh, uh, chef for the kitchen set of restaurants that's in Fort Collins and Boulder and Denver and all that uh, is the cousin of Alonma. Really? This is okay. a random beer-oriented piece of trivia. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and a fantastic guy. He does. Uh, he works with Adam Diley of the Brewers Association to do the pairings for stuff like Savor and Paired at GABF and all that kind of stuff, uh, which we were invited to be a part of this year for the GABF is the Paired piece, so that's pretty fun. Oh, that'd be um, But, uh, yeah, it was incredible to get a tour of, of Space Force or SpaceX itself. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. They put out, they, they launch a rocket every 16 days in Ooh. space. Wow. They launch a Nobody rocket knows. when I get a haircut. They, and they do, uh, those are built in Los Angeles and transferred over to Florida launch and uh, true uh, assembly line fashion. And he's using all that money to send people to Mars, which is pretty, you know, typical of a sinister supervillain. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, I, welcome, also, I welcome our overlord at this point. If if it's if it's Elon Musk, I'm whatever. Get, man. Yeah, if we get a Mars mission, <laughs> Futurama tubes, I'm totally all over that. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm totally in support of the project as well. Yeah, it's awesome. And then well, it was great. So we had this event, which you know the tour was awesome. But at this event, you know, you had these moments, and they the bar manager would come up and say, "Hey, when you have a moment, that table over there would really love to talk to you." You know, blah blah blah. And so I roll up. And uh, there's this table of six, and they're all enjoying themselves greatly and start talking to them. And they had just presented to Elon Musk for a project uh, that he liked, and they'd spent months working on it. And so they were celebrating, so they were in a really good mood, wanting to talk to me. And then this one guy who looks kind of like, I mean, he's like a super buff Bruce willis looking guy. And he's just kind of sitting there, and he looks up at me, and he's like, you know, I have a lot in common with your yeast which I really never thought a dude would ever say to me, no matter what, on any level of conversation. Uh, and I looked down at him and he said, well, like your, your yeast, I've been in the space. I'm an astronaut. And I just sat there and stared at him. He's like, yeah, I was on the interspace. I've been on the ISS multiple times. And I used to fly Endeavor. And I'm just sitting there staring at him, and he's <laughs> wanting to nerd out about beer. Wow. No way. Astronauts is so. like, you know what, we should, we should talk. We got, we, got things that, we got things to converse about. Yeah, totally. Well, it was awesome, too, is he pulled out a card and handed it to me and said, hey, I do a little marketing on the side if you ever want to chat. <laughs> so, business opportunities abound. I know, exactly. I'm like, oh, like well, I can't pay you well enough. I'm not sure I got you yet, but uh, thanks for the love. But. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is great. 
Us marketers totally. know so, I mean, no I'm bounds. at like 24 astronauts now. Uh, that's 24 of the 650 crazy fuckers, so that's not bad. It's a pretty good percentage. That's, I'm not good at math, but that's a good percentage. of That's way more astronauts than I know. You're doing 100% better on your quest of meeting astronauts than I am. Yeah. I will say that. <laughs> You gotta, you know, you gotta pay, you know, you gotta play to win, like the lottery. <laughs> just get in there or just get the fuck out. <laughs> or, or you gotta be creepy and stalk, you know, play museums, Arab museums and stuff for when they, like, pull out their version of the, of the country fair tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, good to know. You, you had the good end of the stick on that where you could just launch some yeast into space and then just come clamoring to you anyway, so that works out. Well, it's good. You know, people know people. Basically, nerds find a way. That's the one thing. You know, with all the technology that's out there, nerds still can communicate. It can't. We can't destroy it for ourselves. No. We still find a way. <laughs> Just like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, they find a way. Nerds uh, find a way. Especially. So, Especially. Do, do, you have, do you have a handful more minutes to hang out and uh, do some 1054 questions with us, Jamie? Of course I do. Awesome. This is a lot of fun. You guys are awesome. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate that. Um, Pete, uh, so just to explain to our listeners, this is the part of the show where we ask some uh, quote-unquote deeply probing questions to really get to know our guest at this point. You know, we've we've gotten a pretty good feel, but now we need to take it a step further. Pete, uh, do you want to start with your questions and explain what your good news, bad news is? Sure. So I, I do good news, bad news, where I give you uh, like a couple of facts that are good news that have just happened in your uh, hypothetical life. But I give you bad news and then I ask how you're going to deal with both of these things. So the, the first question that I have or the first statement, I guess, the news that I have for you, the good news is you find that if you eat a diet rich in fresh hops for a day, the next day you shit out some of the highest quality hop pellets the world has ever or will ever know. You can even eat different varieties to blend them into new hop sensations. The best part is there is no trace of shit on your hops, so you're not going to be giving anybody E. coli or anything, so that's good. You start another successful business on the side using this newfound talent, marketing your brand as gourmet hops. Everyone wants some, and everyone wants to know how the fuck you're making what you're making. But the bad news is, if anyone finds out you're selling shit hops, you're not going to white-collar resort prison. You're going to federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison. How do you avoid going to con college? Con college? <laughs> nice. Well, that's a rough, you know, well, obviously that's a rough ride, just in the basic nature of the question there. But uh, I would say that, you know, uh, ironically, I've actually thought about this in a slightly different vein. There was a few years. The Oregon Brewers Festival is happening in Portland here uh, later this week. And one year, I was going to outfit myself. This was back when the Randall was really, really popular. And I came up with the idea of, of, of self-randling um, some beer. Uh, and what I was going to do was swallow a bunch of hops and um, – uh, and have like one of those things with like a tank of beer around you or whatever that you sift through, and that would have hops in it as well. So I'd be handling that as well, and eat a bunch of hops, and then I was going to get a catheter and and go ahead and pull that all the way through and and get people real fresh hop beer. Um, and oh, I was going to have one of those Christ. great great hospital pulls on wheels to drag around, and I was going to have bags with my other brewing friends' names on it. So if you wanted like Van Havocs glorious hop moment or ben, Dr. Ben Love's uh, magic <laughs> that you could 
puts that in your lips and love it too. Um, You're so, already answering my next question, which is, what would you call this beer, yeah. <laughs> or what would you call the hops? <laughs> so the uh, um, yeah, it's a, it was a pretty fun moment of life. I hadn't really thought about going the other way, but you know, it makes a lot of sense. I've been to pelletizing plants, and I know the process there. If you were to right. use your body as the mechanism. You know, I mean, I think I would, first of all, turn it back on the world because what we really want is to get closer to the farm. And if you think about it, any time that you're doing really good farming, you're implementing with good manure. So basically what I'm doing is I'm taking it all the way home in a one-purpose, one-moment solution in which I can grind it down. And the byproduct of it, I could turn back into the soil for the next round of hops as well uh, to then be redigested back in and go out my colon again later. Um, I don't know. I think I would have to do some contract work to make sure that I like redesign um, my anus in a way to be able to deal with sort of load after the popularity went through. Do some con- uh, contract work with who? Uh, doctor, what's his face from the the surgeon plastic surgery show on TV? <laughs> so there's going to be a, so there's some, some there's some engineering and some research and development. Some anal engineering. But uh, I'm pretty sure with some good, solid permaculture technique, we can get around all that pesky government. Uh, Plus, you're really going green. I that... mean, people love that shit. That's about as green yeah, as you can fucking well, go, man. They literally love that shit. Yeah. Hey, and, you know, and, <laughs> and for a few states, we can even push this to further level. I could just start eating pot cookies all day long here in Oregon. We could, just, <laughs> we could keep going through here. If you, if you ever wanted to know the glory of both, we could tell you one product. Uh, that combines the both elements of, uh, of, of, the, of the horticultural richness of our valley here in the Willamette Valley and, and, and have it in a special way that only Jamie Floyd can give to you. You are, just, big, pretty, you are uniting, big. Co- you are uniting cousins, essentially, and, or uh, whatever you want to call it. You're uniting a species at this point. Yeah, I'm going to leave the nettles, which are also in the same family out. That might be rough. But, uh, that you sounds know, like a bad pass. And, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I you know I think uh, I think we can get around that stuff and be able to do it. If uh, if not, you know I don't know. I I'd, I'd lose a uh, a lot of a, lo- a lot of steam as far as my my will to live. That didn't come through. So we'll have to work hard. <laughs> so this is the first time that I've asked this question, but you've already set the bar so fucking yeah, high. I don't even know if I want to ask it again. Yeah, you may never be able to ask that one again. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I want, to, I want to frame that answer somehow and put it on my goddamn bathroom wall. That was fantastic. I, Just, yeah. I could put it on my I can't believe you gave me the opportunity to bring back the old self cat, you know, the old uh, cabinet. <laughs> well, and now I'm really interested in, in, in researching who may or may not be willing to redesign an anus to be yeah. uh, Randall compliant. <laughs> So, just, just to make sure, I'm gonna hop on Google Chrome Incognito. I'm gonna check that use, out. Use that VPN. Uh, I will use my, my my private VPN that I pay for now, and I will I will definitely research that, and I'll get back to you. That's some dark web shit. <clears throat> yep. So, for 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 my first, would you, so my questions are just more straight up. Would you rather two scenarios? Blah blah blah. But I I love that you mentioned nettles because that dives right into my very first question. Would you rather hate the taste of beer or have orgasms feel like bee stings? Hate the taste of beer or have or well, God, I've got a lot of tattoos, so that's an interesting question. Um, I think uh, getting a tattoo is like an orgasmic bee sting. So <laughs> I can't argue with that. Uh, orgasmic uh, bee sting is get... a band name, by the way. 
I, I guess I never really thought I got both in this life. I have a lot more to be thought thankful for than I thought when I woke up this morning. So that's good to know. But um, um, you know that that's a that's a that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I still I still I really got to say I still like getting laid a lot, and I I, I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I've never had to imagine what beer didn't taste like, and I've definitely had periods in my life where I couldn't get laid. So that's a tough question. Um, now you know all these astronauts. So I mean, you're probably getting laid left and right for that. Oh yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You should see me. I hang out at the Trekkie convention and just get wild <laughs> and crazy you know, with oh, some cat lovers. People <laughs> wait fucking months. My God. Yeah. Yep. These guys and their and their and their cats in their mom's basements. They can't wait to meet people just like me. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Jamie's but, um, a female data or two. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Oh yeah. Why would you leave home? Fully functioning. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, well, I guess if I had a female today, then maybe I'd give up here. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's tough. That's tough on an AI list. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I love, I do love beer. I don't know. That, that is, that is, that's a tough question. I, I, I guess, uh, um, I, if, if I had, if I had to choose these things, I would, I would, I would do my best, um, as long as I didn't need an EpiPen, I'd still, I'd still rock it. I'd put it that way. As long as I don't need an EpiPen, I'd still rock it. That might be a title right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as an appropriate answer because you worked your way through that one beautifully. And All also right, well, segues into uh, my next question. You're talking about cats. The good news <laughs> is you are now a well-loved house cat. Oh. <laughs> 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 so, Jamie, I gotta tell you something. In, in this instance, and a lot of these, I've never heard these before. So this is this yeah. one's brand new to me. Yeah. Too, so we're, we're all in this together. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the good news is you're now a well-loved house cat. The bad news is you're also plagued by crippling al- alcoholism. How do you, as a cat, feed your addiction? Wow, well, that's tough because, you know, I mean, at that point, I probably couldn't really audition for the Toontes, the driving cat piece oh. anymore if I'm wasted <laughs> all the time. So that's kind of a rough blow. I had, I had high ambitions to uh, not be uh, turning, you know, maybe I could rock that bit and maybe if we do the cat version of Shake the Clown and, uh, <laughs> and I could dress up like a, a cat clown, um, certainly that role allows you to be drunk all the time. Uh, and I would be able to pay myself. I mean, uh, you know, it's a little tough to lap up beer all the time. That that carbonation gets on the tongue. Uh, so, um, you know, you're definitely trying to, to finagle your way towards a hard liquor source. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'll probably have to do a little catting around on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey. We do appreciate dad jokes here, too. Oh, keep, yeah. keep them coming. Yeah, I'm not vegan. I'm pretty TV as a whole. So <laughs> even at, even even at, even as a cat, uh, still 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 not proper that way. Um, that you know, um, it's pretty good. You know, I think you know the, the big thing is getting uh, the, your uh, you know your servant. If you're a cat, your servant uh, feeds and, and takes care of you. Um, getting them to understand that you're actually wanting them to pour you alcohol and not milk or water, I think that's the, that's the biggest hurdle to overcome. Because uh, I definitely, 
you know, I'm not afraid to get up on a keyboard and and get in the way of your ability to get work done um, to get you to recognize that I need alcohol. Uh, I'm definitely not afraid to get to to make you open and shut a door three or four times in the same five minutes uh, so that you might understand that me walking in and out means that I've got the shake and I need alcohol. Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, throwing up hairballs and some, and some grass balls works sometimes, uh, cause you use some of that bile. Sometimes they can smell it and realize that you probably need some alcohol. Um, but yeah, you got to work for it. Uh, purring's not enough anymore. In I'm world, beginning to think my cats might be alcoholics. You, you seeing some oh, parallels here? Yeah. I'm seeing some, some of the signs, you know, that, some that, the telltale signs. that show up on a scroll in those TV commercials. Yeah. I think <laughs> this is, this oh yeah. I mean, come on, you, you pester them enough and they, they, they reach out and strike at you and say terrible things in a different language that you can understand. But inside they're just saying, can't you see, I just need more alcohol. That's well, listen, man, you know, I think that they really just do care about me, you know, and that's just the way that they show it. So they don't sit yeah, over you at night just thinking we're going to kill you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely right. So, and I feel bad because I don't know if this, this parlays into my next question or not, but the, the past two have been really good. <clears throat> so, Jamie, would you rather forget how to brew beer or forget how to talk? Now, you can relearn either skill, but... Which would you rather have to relearn more, I guess? Oh, I'd, I'd probably rather learn to brew beer again. Um, that would be, I mean, I've been brewing beer since I was 17. Uh, you know, I might be able to start over and do a better job of it. You never know. Um, or, uh, yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, is it's going to be a pain in the ass to relearn it. And if I <laughs> don't have the verbal skills to be a jackass, it's not going to be worth it for me. Yeah. It's not going to be fun the second time. That is clutch. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I, I probably would relearn how to, to make beer. It's uh, Unlike my rocket mission, it's not rocket science history. Uh, and, you know, we've been fortunate enough to be able to make it since most of modern, since modern civilization. So How hard can uh, it be? Uh, Plus you talk well, more good yeah. right now, so. <laughs> he is our good talker. He is You're our the good goodest talker. talker. Mm, the goodest. I speak well. Time comes. All right, so yeah, you have created a Ninkasi beer international must-have whale that every legit beer nerd snob is cl- is clamoring about. They're just going fucking nuts over this beer. But the bad news is, and I'm going to be a little long-winded, it was accidentally brewed with llama piss when you were trying to extract revenge, exact revenge on your mortal enemy, you bastard. And he shared it with some other people because it was so fucking good, and then everyone tried it and wanted a bottle themselves. Despite all the glaring plot holes with this story, you now feel compelled to keep bottling, and you decide that you need to start sourcing and harvesting raw llama piss to add it to the beer with a ratio of, like, one gallon to every five gallons. And it must be this ratio, any less or any more, and the beer tastes like and smells like llama piss. So if people find out they're going to sue the shit out of you if they know they've been drinking llama piss, right? Also, it will mean the end of your life professionally and probably socially, but you make a super knee-jerk reaction to the decision because you do that with all of your life decisions. So now you're at where you're at. How are you going to go about harvesting this llama piss to make your beer? And how do you secretly add it? And then follow-up question, what do you call it? 
Wow. Um, uh, I think, well, first of all, it's going to get called Spit in Your Eye. Uh, I think that's pretty, pretty <laughs> that's solid. That's awesome. Uh, that's good. Uh, you know, fortunately for us, again, you wouldn't have known this ahead of time, but the Willamette Valley is a, a, a proud area in uh, sort of the, the local work of uh, uh, llama raising. Uh, it's also, uh, you know, uh, there are lots of llamas that are raised in this area. Uh, I think that I might be able to create a secret-like collective um, of folks that really, I mean, they got to get rid of that, that urine somehow. Um, you know, I, I think the hardest part of that thing is creating a device that straps onto that son of a bitch that actually can uh, collect it and allow them to still be sort of free range or whatever we got to do to be hippie here in Oregon. Um, we want those llamas happy the whole time they're pissing for us. So and you gotta that's be an important too. fact. You got to keep your personal you brand be hippie going. Too. Um, uh, you know, well, whether it's hipster or hippie, you know, throw some spit on it. Call yeah. it good. You know, History. It's good. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I think that that's, that's an important piece for us. We've got that. And, you know, and, and, and then, of course, the, for the brand extension, we do have alpaca. Uh, so I'm pretty sure, you know, when people are just not feeling the freshness, um, you know, obviously, uh, obviously. Did you say freshness or fresh not obvious, uh Both. Those kind of both, really. <laughs> yes. But um, I, I want to make sure that people realize, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of softballing in there, but this is probably going to be a goza. Style beer. Um, <laughs> nice it's gonna salty. be a little salty. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, sour. You know, and it, and and it's already got the straw color to it. So I, you know, really, it's just a matter of uh, you know. I think it's a pretty simple process. All in all, I think that people would be pretty happy to consume it. It does, you know, it does have that. It poses that risk. Um, uh, you know, of, of people finding out and being kind of pissed off, really, about the whole ordeal. Uh, but the uh, uh, <laughs> that was too easy. Uh, yeah, you guys are just you're softballing them in today. I love it. You guys are <laughs> awesome to work with. Throwing you no, meatballs, this is Jamie. great. Like, I mean, you keep saying things like llamas. Like, how you did? You don't know that there's llamas here. That that's no, actually didn't. something that I don't. And like, I could almost wildcraft. That's a little creepy to go storm off onto people's properties. Maybe for R and D to see if they're good. If their llamas are good enough, go out and do some midnight. Uh, Llama piss uh, research and development. Llama <laughs> piss research. Yeah, you need the cooperative animals. Some <laughs> piss R and D. Um. Uh, yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a winning. I think it's a winning way to go. So what about uh, names? About, about what it. Names for these things. Spit well, in your you know, eye. I mean, that's the one, right? Yeah, because he your had names for everything else earlier. Yeah. Spit in your eye. I thought was pretty good. I'm sorry it didn't quite make a. Uh, make the top of your list for this round, but you know, I you know, I did think about spit on it, which is pretty funny too in a lot of really terrible ways. It's a little deeper. Given llamas, uh, if spit, heritage, sure. If you spit on Fantastic. it first, uh, but uh, you know, I you know, it, 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 it's uh, uh, but you know, but that's the thing. I, I guess maybe you know, I'm a little more intrigued, maybe with the the way you could go, you could go, you could go. We could bring back like even like a. Uh, sort of a, 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 a Central or South American being a lager for your alpaca version there. Uh, of course, again, it's still salty, but then again, that's what, you know, serve it with tequila or something. It's just salty shit. People love it. I love it. You mm-hmm. could just, I just call it drinking llama piss, so people would be like, I'm totally not drinking llama piss. It's just, that's just, you're hiding <laughs> in plain sight of that. There's no way they would do that. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe that's the deal. It would be kind of, I guess, my Moonraker moment, right? Chase the, the, <laughs> the water source, the beer, and then launch off into space. Yeah, two uh, Moonraker yeah. references in one show. That's that's a new record. Fucking llamas in hand, man. Yep. <laughs> llamas <laughs> in hand, you know. Well, you know, they can take a lot. They can take a lot. So if you pack the alpaca on the rocket, you guys yeah, know pack them up. Yep. Pack them up. The old Palka rocket. That's... Oh, packs a punch. <laughs> is, that, is that is that? Are you giving us insight to your next Ninkasi uh, rocket launch program here? Yeah, I think. Yeah, maybe what we'll do is we'll shove a bunch of hops down a, a llama's throat and see what kind of hop pellet it produces because they actually poop pellet. <laughs> so that would be and monkeys. Kind of, I know you were thinking about this. If if you know when it gets a little tight for me, when the reconstructive surgery and I've kind of gotten it done that way, you know, you can just start, you, you know, just start working with a bunch of different animals. You could have, you know, rabbits, definitely poop pellets. I mean, that's Absolutely. the thing here. I can't believe the hop industry hasn't figured out that, you know, by definition, they fuck like bunnies and self redistribute themselves. <laughs> yeah. And then they turn your hops into shit pellets. And uh, I, I mean, happy. the the coffee bean industry has capitalized on animals shitting fucking coffee beans. So why not help hop yeah. pellets now? I There's mean, the what the civet cat that eats coffee beans and yeah. craps them out whole, and then yeah. people we're uh, sitting on a fucking gold mine, guys. We are, yeah, gold mine, a green gold uh, mine, no less. Yep, probably like about forty eight. Uh, Katie Couric's worth. Only <laughs> make dozens of dollars, guys. Yeah, late, late 90s Katie Couric. Only, only 48 Couric. So not, not quite 50, not quite uh, anything more, but 48. I, I agree with that. That seems like an appropriate amount of Couric's. Yeah, I mean, you can usually only hope for uh, like a, a 30 Couric project. I myself in, in, in have only done life. a 15 in my own time. A yeah. 15 or Couric. Well, and I think, you know, you might see a number... You might be a number two, Bono, but you'll always be a llama to me. <laughs> uh, you watch too much South Park. <laughs> I, I like to think I don't watch enough of it. We're about to get a. We're about to get our first Whole Foods around in these parts. So oh, really? Get, you are in for get a deep around. You are in for well, a pretentious been... fucking treat. It's going to be awesome. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Whole paycheck is always fun to. To go check out, be fun, fun to fun to watch it go down. It's the third time they tried to open one, despite public outrage. Which, I, it'll do just fine once it's open. So Colorado just lousy with Whole Foods, and I went to one once for lunch, just to uh, do like a salad bar, and I paid twenty dollars for like a one pound chicken salad that I self served myself, and I immediately regretted my decision. Like I've never had buyer's remorse any more than the time I went to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess I, chicken salad's a rough ride. I'd say. Yeah, it is. Might choose something. Chicken salad, yeah, you know. Is a rough ride. So, uh, uh, segue there. Okay. Would uh, Would you rather? This is one of my favorite questions. Would you rather time travel back in time to try the original beers made by the ancients, or time travel forward to try the crazy shit our society ends up creating in the future? Oh, it's a hundred percent travel to the future. Um, yeah. You know, big, big, big fan of Back to the Future as a kid. I think uh, any opportunity to go try a future uh, back. I, you know, it'd be great to go backwards on the one side, but I, I think um, no. If I, I can actually just put uh, barley and water in my backyard and and <laughs> taste the beer of six thousand years ago pretty easily. So I definitely want to go to the future. 
uh, even, you know, um, uh, what, what beer-esque-ness looks like in the future would be out, absolutely outstanding to see what people try to call beer and sell to the public. Sure. Um, I think it will be super fascinating as well uh, as uh, checking out what uh, random uh, adjuncts and stuff that other parts of our galaxy hopefully uh, would bring to the table. Uh, certainly seen lots of recipes for things called Romulan ale, and I'm pretty sure it doesn't taste <laughs> like actual Romulan ale yet. So uh, I'll go for the future. I'm with, um, I'm with Spock on this one. I think we got this for the future. Oh, that's perfect. Pete, uh, you have run through your questions, yeah? Yeah. Jamie, that was all my questions, too. Man, thank you so much for joining us. That was awesome. I had a blast. You were an amazing guest. You have been a model fucking guest. And I've yeah, you have several bars. <laughs> yeah, you will not be uh, surmounted uh, probably in our lifetimes. Yeah, you've, so, re- you've wrecked it yeah. for a few people that are coming around after this, sh- Ooh, after this show. I feel sorry for those For sure, guys. like... Not 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 to not to go back to the old anal whatever analogy. But there's some there's some analogy. wreckage here that's just not gonna get shrunk back down in time for the next people. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, hemorrhoids are a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Ain't that about? Uh, well, that that's awesome, you guys. That's super fun to hang out with you. I would definitely come back and uh, and hang out on your show again sometime in the future if you ever want to get together and laugh some more that's some good stuff you guys have great approach to loving beer and beer culture and people Uh-oh. so i'm glad to be a part of the canon of semi-appropriate nerdiness is a specialty of mine so thanks for allowing me to indulge <laughs> absolutely well that's that's where our uh, i think our sweet spot lies is <laughs> semi-appropriate nerdiness <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another fucking Beer and Loathing podcast, Cock Blaster. You can find us at BeerandLoathing.com, Facebook, slash Beer and Loathing, at Beer and Loathing on Twitter and Instagram, and tune in, get drunk, on the tubes that are you. Oh my god. Do you guys want to watch a video I, I sent to Kevin and my brother? Good. <laughs> One more time. <laughs>